0: Hey again. What is up the Jubs? Do you remember the uh God, it's it's an ancient relic. It came out forever the ago. Crystal skull. Called uh Anthem. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: even more mysterious. Uh uh The video game. I, by I vaguely cards? have heard rumblings about a game called Anthem that allegedly came out this year. Yeah. Um is and- by
0: that by that old now
1: pretty much shut down studio Bioware. Oh, right. They made, um, uh, uh, what's that name? Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think they made anything else. No. Anyway. <laughs> so Anthem. <laughs> nah, but, I mean, for real though, at least not this incarnation of it. This is, this is a weird, uh, skeleton crew Bioware at this point.
0: Right, that's working um, on Anthem. And, yeah. uh, there's something that's happening as a result of that. Do you remember, remember their good old roadmap? Uh, did they have a roadmap? Yes, they sure fucking did. Like, every goddamn online video game, they had a fucking roadmap, separated by, like, different chapters and all this shit. Yeah, okay. Wow, they had a big old roadmap. It's a it's a games
1: a service getting hard, it has a fucking roadmap. What, well, did that game have a season pass, or was it just supposed no. to be, buy the game, you will get this content later? Right, but,
0: but every cool cosmetic is locked behind microtransactions. transactions, give us right. money.
1: Okay, but the actual right. content of the game was going to be free? Yeah. Well, I mean, like free with quotation marks. Right. It. Okay.
0: Yeah. So uh, that's not happening anymore. Has it just been straight up canceled? Not entirely canceled. They have now, they, they, they're claiming that they're now putting them in seasonal updates. I have pulled up their, uh, their exact text on the BioWare blog if you want to hear it. Sure. All right. Quote, we hear your concerns on core issues in Anthem and are acting
1: on it core issues
0: there. yeah that's a lot, a lot of those yeah. but those systems require a more thorough review and reworking versus quick fixes we've got a team working on that now and early results are promising in order to address these long range plans we are moving away from the act structure for updates instead we have additional seasonal updates planned for this year that we think players will enjoy these events will deliver challenges and chases similar to what you've seen and are built around some fun themes we are bringing to the game As I've said previously, we want to be transparent with you, and we know that more work needs to be done to make Anthem better. We also want to ensure we're backing up our worlds with a great game you can play. That's bold. So I don't have any news today to share about the long-term changes we are bringing to Anthem. What I can say is we will continue to engage with you, our community, through PTS, and we can show you what is coming. That's from Chad, head of live service. What is PTS? I have no idea. Gotta add a D to that. That's what Anthem's giving people. Yeah. So... To sum that all up for you, what they mean by seasonal updates is that you might get four updates a year. Yes, basically, as
1: opposed to this actually being a genuine live service like your destinies.
0: Basically, this game's been out for, like, what, three months, and now it's in maintenance mode. <sighs>
1: it's already been three months. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, it's it's a shame, but, I mean, this is this was bound to happen. This is the. There's uh, not enough of a player base for them to justify shoveling money at it, and it it's just it's just a loss for the company and for the gaming industry as a whole because this is probably going to result in BioWare's closing, and that sucks. This is uh, just one example of a really large systematic problem with
0: triple, the AAA games industry right now, where all these companies think that their own live service is going to work their own live service game, and they're going to be able to grab everybody's attention and achieve the kind of success that games like Destiny or Fortnite have. Can't wait for that Avengers game. Yeah, it won't. Like, yeah. they have a... They've already said they're going to support it from years to come. That game will have a fucking roadmap. You bet your sweet ass. It's mm-hmm. got a big old long nice roadmap with a big chart for all well, the different special editions Well, the editions good thing about
1: have. that as opposed to an Anthem is, you know, Anthem's biggest selling point was the name BioWare was on the box. Other than that, it's a new IP, so, like, yeah, you could like giant robots, but, like... Not even giant robots, just exosuits. Yeah, sure, okay, but you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, right. I, I was never really impressed with, like, how that game looked. No, nope, me neither. Because it looked like other things, like Warframe and Destiny. Mm-hmm. And I played it, and um, it was, like, those but worse. So, at the very least, uh, the Avengers game has... Has something different going for it it, yeah. it? it It's different setting, and you can play as the avengers and other marvel characters and that might lead it to have high sales
0: yeah i'm sure it'll it'll do great at first but it's the years to come shit that needs to be stopped yeah it's volatile and the games companies can't actually adhere to it there's no guarantee you can't make those kind of long-term guarantees in the games industry unless you
1: become a hit and even then, even then uh, you have
0: look at look at Apex Legends. Yeah. You have a game that was like immensely popular when it first dropped and its numbers have dwindled. Shit, I haven't even played it in like a month. Because <sighs> I've, I've been playing games that I like more, like Monster Hunter.
1: Well, Fortnite just keeps beating its ass by just combining forces with every single property. Well, yeah, known it's, to
0: it's man. easy it's easy to pump out that much content when you're basically slave driving your employees. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Stranger Things three is out. Got to got to do crossover. Borderlands out. Got to do crossover. And there's a leaked Batman one coming yeah. soon. Mm-hmm. It just never ends. They're gonna cross over with uh you know the Irishman, the Scorsese film. Like I don't know what are they gonna do? Where do they stop? <laughs> just no, crossover with everything. They don't fucking they don't fucking stop until
0: it stops being the cultural zeitgeist. That's what it is right now, and it will continue. But not every every company wants to be like oh we can make Fortnite. Oh we can make Destiny. No you can't. Stop. Uh, Stop doing it to yourself. Fucking idiots. Yeah, just make a game first. Please make a game. That's probably a good idea first. Capcom had the right idea with Monster Hunter World, because it's like a, it's like that, but on a much smaller
1: scale. Mm-hmm. Smart. Smart. Well, they made a game first.
0: Yeah, they, yeah it was a complete and like yeah. actual game first.
1: Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was the $60 experience <laughs> right. at launch. Right. You know, I don't know if Anthem was. No, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> it's an understatement of the year. It was uh, a...
0: I don't know. Here, hold on. Let me see how much I pay. <laughs> Ninety-five cents for Anthem. That's just all the change that's on your desk. That's that's all I got for Anthem.
1: That's the only money I have that I could put towards Anthem. I wouldn't even give that. That's what was worth
0: the lot. And I waste money cents. on
1: frivolous things all the time, but uh, I'd rather buy a Funko Pop than
0: play fucking Anthem. <laughs>
1: That is that is the worst thing you could ever say That's an indictment That's a $10 purchase and it looks like poop Yep And and, and you'd rather buy that Yep Oh, oh speaking of which uh, Funko Pop's getting a movie Oh cool I'm gonna go kill myself now bye <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a decent reaction
0: to the Gen hand job show. That's Gen. Is it spooky season? What's going it, on? It sure is, bud.
1: <laughs> doot, doot. That's the skeleton on the trombone. He go to doot, do. And I'm Job. And that's spooky. <laughs> I'm
0: Hi, Jeff, and I'm that's Gen.
1: Spooky. Yeah, I said that. Uh, right. uh, oh. So it's skeleton season. There are skeletons all about. It
0: is spooky season.
1: There's My My dude. All your favorite monsters are here: ghosts, witches, mm-hmm. Leatherface, mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah! <laughs> that's the
0: scariest one.
1: <laughs> no, we left that behind in last week. Um, now we'll revisit them. I'm sure we'll watch another Spielberg. Uh, well, we already basically went through two in a row. Oddly enough, that's yeah. how. That's just how the cookie crumbled on that one right i don't know if he has another franchise if we ever do jaws i guess but like let's not i'm good yeah <laughs> we're already watching this right and this is gonna just turn to shit so fast but texas chainsaw was a good time i i, I guess i don't know how if, if i would describe it as a good time i love that movie though it's just a very unsettling so a let's time. talk about some thing yeah, that sure. isn't that, and then sure. we'll talk about that. And that is the format sure thing, of our but,
0: show. Uh, we can pick up what something we kind of talked, started talking about last week. You uh, we were talking about playing Indiana Jones at the Fate Atlantis. Yeah, so we started playing that. Yes. What do you think about it so far?
1: You know, it's a uh, it's a point and click adventure game from the nineties. Yeah, it is very much so. <laughs> I love how it is. It is very true to two two separate
0: things. It is very true to Indiana Jones as a brand, mm-hmm. and it is very true to Lucas Arts is a point-and-click adventure game creator.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right down to the puzzles that are stupid. Yes, and require stupid solutions. Right. Now, granted, like the way we went about it could have been harder or easier than other ways to go about things, depending, depending on-, on route. Yeah, this game has three different uh, which, routes. Which, that is the interesting part about this game so far, is that there's diverging paths. Yes. Um, which is not in any of those older games that I'm aware of. No. At least to this degree. No, not like this.
0: You have, uh, you have three different paths based on a choice that you make. You have a path based on based on, it's called Mind, which is more puzzle-focused and like outwitting your opponent-focused. Yeah. You have uh, Brawn, which is all fist like a lot more fist fighting and shit like that using brute strength to get past shit and then there's a teamwork one where it's uh you and your female companion going Mm -hmm. around bopping around getting the shit done
1: yeah so i i guess we basically chose the puzzle yes you chose mind mind one uh which is cool uh wandered around in the desert forever looking for a guy in a fez yeah you know typical puzzles (laughs) 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 uh in a LucasArts point-and-click. Woo! I, I mean, it's okay so far. I like it. Um, I don't know if the actual story has hooked me, more so than just the little tiny stupid things that can happen. Yeah. Uh, like, the story of Atlantis, like, I, I don't really care about yet. I don't know if that will happen. It might. But, I I, uh, I liked it a lot. I care about it. but There are, like, three paths, so, like, maybe if you, like... Stick with the female character who does give a shit. Uh, you'll it know makes more. It,
0: yeah, it definitely makes it more entertaining. I'd yeah, say.
1: but, uh, but we will think... probably do all three eventually. Yeah. So I, I feel like we're almost done with the one path. We're getting there. Yeah, they're not very. This game's not very long. Well, I think that's probably by design due to the because fact you can that play it three, three different ways. Right. Paths, yeah. You still
0: get to the same end result, but there's the, there's a lot of different stuff that happens in between.
1: I'm a big fan of the opening credits where uh, Indiana Jones dies several times. He just falls. He falls through the ceiling of his, like, the, the storehouse of the college, all the artifacts and crap that people yeah. have collected over the years, including him, I assume. Yeah. And uh, he just, I don't know, apparently that place needs to be condemned because he just keeps falling through the ceiling in different areas. And then he just falls down and, like, there's limited animation because it's an older game, so it looks like he just falls down and dies, and then like the da 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 just keeps going, and it's like it's really funny, unintentional, but like it's really funny. Well, it is intended to be. It is intended to be funny, but maybe not in the way that like Indiana Jones is dead. Da 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 da. It's like who
0: and he's having a rough day, and you kind of chuckle about it.
1: Yeah. So it will keep. uh... Updating that as we go. Yeah, I love that game.
0: I think it's uh, it's one of the... Especially, like, just doing the puzzles and stuff like that. And, like, a lot of the dialogue and stuff, I feel like it's one of the better LucasArts point-clicks. Oh, okay. I think it's huh. definitely up there. Um, One of my favorites. With, like, Wookiee Island and uh, Statenman Max and Day of the
1: Tentacle. Big fan of Day of the Tentacle. That's it's probably my fucking, favorite of oh, those. I fucking love that game. Uh, it has some, some obscure puzzles, but, like, the sense of humor in that game is just so good. Yeah it's, it's amazing basic yeah so anyway have you play anything new no, no I mean haven't. I wish I could say yes I've played River City girls with you for a so little we bit start playing that we gotta play more of that uh I mean I I feel like I could probably already give an opinion on it it good it's really good yeah uh it plays really like you know like what I wanted it to play like which was you know River City ransom? Well, that and, like, uh, the Scott Pilgrim game that uh, has been lost to time in this digital age that we live in. Uh, That was one of my favorite Xbox Live Arcade games, and I loved that game. I never got to buy the last DLC for it, and then it went poof, and it's gone. Lost to the ether of digital gaming. Thanks, digital gaming. Yep. It's a big issue. You don't own your games. But uh, this game's pretty solid so far. The soundtrack is fucking good. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, Lots of songs with vocals, oddly enough.
0: Yes. But it all
1: works really well.
0: It's got a really cool aesthetic to it. Yeah. That that, that punk rock girl aesthetic.
1: And the humor's really good. Mm -hmm. The characters are really funny. They're like archetypes, but they're funny. Um, The game knows what it is.
0: No, absolutely. it It
1: plays off it really well. Yeah, and I'm gonna keep playing that for sure. It's, Absolutely, it's we're gonna to
0: we'll, we'll get through it.
1: Yeah, we're doing other stuff. Maybe even after time. we're done watching, what the fuck, watching, recording, maybe a show to yes. put out on the internet.
0: Depends on my brother because I, I kind of made plans with him, but if he backs off on him,
1: yeah. wow, well, take that, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway. If he
0: backs off on
1: him. Yeah. Anyway. I have not played too
0: much new. I've just advanced in uh, the two games I was talking about last week, Monster Hunter and the Celeste DLC. Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk about them a little further because I beat the main game of Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Yeah. And that was really cool. The final boss of it is super cool. It's this big, like, freaky dragon thing. But it's like, when you first see it, it's in this giant, like, rock cocoon. And it's got, like, big stone hand fisty things that it throws down at you. And it's really slow. But the idea is you have to break this shell. And then you have this big spooky dragon that comes out of it with that shoots big beams, and it is terrifying and hard.
1: That's a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. Jeez.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's a pretty crazy final battle,
1: but it's really fun. And then you unlock the big spoiler, I guess.
0: Oh, the, yes. There's a whole new area.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a whole post-game
1: area. I've known this for a while, actually.
0: I, I knew, like, there were rumors about it. That I read a while before the game came out. That this yeah. that that was going to be in the game, but nobody could confirm it yet. And then it is there, and it's just like this big mishmash, it like kind of terraforms into all the different areas that are in the game. And this is your entire post game area. There's some new post game monsters in there you can fight, along with uh, a lot of new materials and stuff like that you can get. It is really cool.
1: It's a cool idea.
0: Yeah, but the, I love I love the way it works. Then you go in there and there you have like these investigation bars you have to fill, okay? And the way you fill them is by gathering stuff and killing different monsters. But it's not like the way normal quests function in Monster Hunter, where like you have like a finite amount of deaths and time to get stuff done. It doesn't. It's just not there. Oh, okay. You can just kinda like take it easy and like it doesn't matter how much you die, it doesn't matter like you know, how long you take. Which is very nice. You can just kinda kick back. Hmm. Just kinda like Enjoy yourself while you're while you're messing around with these monsters and fighting new stuff and old stuff. It's really neat, and then after a certain amount of time, like the you'll go into different areas, or the, the areas will change, and the monsters in there will change. It's really neat. It's really really cool. I, I enjoy it a lot. It's okay. really chill, which is uh, different from post game and any of the other Monster Hunter games. Different from how that
1: game usually seems to be, right? At because all. you go
0: you you like you're in a hub world and you go into quests. And then you go out on the quest. There's separate instances here. You can do hmm. everything from one location, besides go back and craft stuff. You have to leave to do that. But you can, you know, go back to your camp and change equipment if you want. And eat, eat food. Do all that stuff. You can go out and bop another monster, and then you then you kill that monster. You can go back and replenish your shit, and go back out and kill another monster if you wanted to. But a couple of the really cool post game monsters are hidden behind there. Let me see if I have one Hold on the wallpaper right now. I don't. The uh, very popular. uh one of the most popular Monsters In the entire series uh, Zenogre, Was brought back Okay Who's uh Who's a very Very awesome looking Dude Let me, let me go pull him up for Dude The dude is a guy He's a bro
1: I mean he's a Monster It's a bro <laughs> it's Monsters a bro. Yugi Monsters on,
0: I'm pulling it up Right now Show you what ogre looks like
1: Oh uh, Okay I mean I don't know how they gonna hear what he looks like. Do you look up do you guys can look up Zenogre? Wow, you're just giving our audience homework, okay. Wow. Yeah fuck you. <laughs> it's loading. Why is it loading
0: so slowly? There he is. That's Zenogar. Huh? Oh no. Please stop. <laughs> There we go. That's an ogre. Oh, okay. Super cool. He's a big electric puppy guy. He's large. Huge. A Pikachu. Big guy. Yeah. Big dude. Fucks you up. But it's awesome. And always has like, cool looking weapons and armor and stuff. And people were wondering if he would be brought back into Monster Hunter World because he wasn't in the main game. And they were finally like, yeah, here he is. That's cool. And everybody was fucking hype. It's good fan service. Oh, yeah, that, that's the mm. one of the big things they did in Iceborne was bring back a lot of the monsters that people liked. There's only, like, about four new monsters. And then some new variants, a lot of new variants of monsters, which is just, like, them basically changing the color and the behavior and the element of all the monsters, of certain monsters. Yeah, okay, I got you. It's like, it's like, it's like a clo- like an Echo Fighter <laughs> in I Smash. It's very similar. And, uh... But most of what they did was bring back some of these old monsters, which I'm super happy about. Because I wanted to see them in, like, the the big HD era. Because the most modern thing that the Monster Hunter was on was the 3DS, so... (laughs) You know. Yeah. It's nice to see something new. It's really cool. Mm. I love that game. I'm almost done with the Celestial DLC. not much more to say about it besides how it's, you know, fucking incredible and you should play it.
1: Okay. I can talk about a couple things that I recommend or don't recommend that aren't video games. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um... Let's start with Recommend. I watched a documentary on the Hulu. that came out a few years ago called uh, Too Big to Fail. It is about the Dana Carvey show. Oh. Uh, it's great. It's really great. Um, if you don't know the basics of that story, I guess, I, I, they go into it in, in detail, but just to let you know what it's about. Uh, Data Carvey, obviously, a huge SNL man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, many famous characters, including, you know, George H.W. Bush, the church lady uh, Garth from Wayne's World. Yep. Uh, like, he was it on SNL when he was on it. He was like the guy. He was the guy that everyone wanted to see when they tuned into SNL. So. He's on it for a long, long, long time. Probably longer than most other people. And then he finally decides to leave. And it's a huge question. He's on the cover of Rolling Stone and a bunch of other stuff. That doesn't usually happen. Uh, But people are really curious what he's going to do when he leaves Saturday Night Live. And then he does. And he, he wants to still do sketch comedy. But more curated by him and other people that he thinks are funny that is different from what SNL does and they make the Dana Carvey show and it is a lot edgier and takes a lot more risks and has an uncompromising vision of what it's going to be, whether the networks like it or not. And, uh, lots of very famous people get involved that weren't famous at the time. Uh, Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, um, Robert Smigel, Uh, I forget the guy's name, but he later like show ran uh, 30 Rock and uh, I think Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt, both working with Tina Fey, Um, just there's a cavalcade of very famous, very funny people, Louis C.K. as well, but we won't talk about him too much, Uh, I'm not sure if the... uh, the stuff that happened with him happened around the time this came out or not but they actually talk about him very little and they don't interview him and they interview like most of the other people so I'm kind him. of feeling like it was around the time that happened you might have interviewed them and or just cut it out maybe uh,
0: <laughs> sit down sit down afterwards in the interview mm. how do you feel about why, why the fuck did you uh, jerk off from a woman you idiot <laughs> Like, it doesn't have to do with the show.
1: Yeah, but we want to know. Uh, so, but so anyway, regardless of that, I mean, like, you know, regardless of how you feel about Louis C.K., he used to be funny, uh, and he used to make good shit. Uh, no, I, I,
0: still, I still say that Louis is a fantastic show. Just yeah. the person that made it is now tainted, so I don't watch it.
1: Really, really hard to go back to watch that, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, but anyway, regardless of all that, uh, the Dana Carvey show is great. It's fantastic. It only lasted seven episodes and the yep. reason why is because I, I everyone was expecting snl dana carvey and then they got whatever the fuck the dana carvey show was and when they go into what the first sketch is it's like oh my god yeah <laughs> no wonder everybody freaked out it's really funny um and it was also on immediately after home improvement and there's some really good bits about that in there uh like the lead in commercials and how stupid they are. And like, uh, there's really good, really good bits. And just like everyone's like story of like, you know, Whoa, this is my big break. Like, like for Steve Carell and, uh, Stephen Colbert. And then it's just about to fucking die in front of everyone, even though it was supposedly impossible to, to do so because this was going to be the next big show. Uh, And it's a cool little documentary about a very specific subject that I care about because I like lots of weird comedy. And this is certainly a weird one. Oh, yeah, for sure. uh, Not every sketch on The Dana Carvey Show has aged well. There's one that is super fucking racist. Uh, Colbert even calls it out as racist in the documentary. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, And he's just like, I want it to be known that I played this person, <laughs> and that was a white person. <laughs> and I was like, I had nothing to do with that. Um, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, I was thinking about watching uh, the Amazing Jonathan documentary, and I might get back to you all next week with that. Okay. Uh, that looks fucking weird. <laughs> uh, something I can't recommend, and I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not yet, and I don't know if it's a... A rush to judgment or not yet, but uh, a comic book came out this week called Spider-Man. And you may be saying, like, Genhart, that happens every week, you idiot. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. But this one is just called Spider-Man, and it is written by J.J. Abrams and his son. Um, His son, I think, does primarily actually the writing. It was a very strange announcement, because uh, if you remember when it was happening, uh, Marvel tweeted out a uh, a four in a Spider-Man web, and everybody started freaking out. Yeah, because what that made people think of was Spider-Man Four, as in like Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi Spider-Man Four. Yeah, and everyone was expecting, oh my God, they're going to make the unproduced screenplay to Spider-Man Four. Into a comic book continuation of the storyline of that, and everybody was like, "That's a really cool idea! Can't wait to see that." And then it was just an announcement on the fourth <laughs> about J.J. Abrams' Spider-Man comic. Right. And uh, understandably, there were a lot of uh, you know, Raimi stands, if you will, that were upset. There's a, there's a lot of them. I didn't realize. Yeah, sure. there's a whole lot of people. Those people that get really annoying on Twitter and go like, "I'm glad." Spider Man's going back to Sony because now he won't be Iron Man Junior. I'm and glad like, Spider Man's going back to Sony because I don't want Disney to own everything. <laughs> That's the correct opinion. <laughs> right. I still want the story to be good, so we'll see. It's I bet it still will be. Yeah, I have a lot of faith in Tom Holland and uh uh I can't think of the fucking director's name. I feel like an idiot. I almost said Mark Webb. It's no.
0: not Mark Webb. No, it is not
1: Incorrect Anyway, I'm sorry, director of Spider-Man But, uh So But I figured I'd give it a shot Because, like It's J.J. Abrams And art by uh, Sarah Pacelli Who I like a lot She did the Miles Morales uh, first stuff With Bendis (laughs) Good old Bendis Bendis um, (laughs) And, uh, you know it was being touted as, you know, the can't-miss event of the year and an original take on Spider-Man. And when I got it, it's... Oh, Jesus Christ. I really feel like neither of those things. Right. So, How, God. I'm going to spoil the comic for you guys. I'm sorry, but it needs to be said, especially because the cover of the comic uh, is Spider-Man and he's swinging and he's swinging with Mary Jane on his shoulder. And uh, this is noteworthy because Mary Jane dies within the first, like, six pages of this comic. And that threw me off quite a bit. Um, I bet she's not actually dead. That is possible, and I think it was already alluded to in this, although it could have been something else, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure. I knew it. It could be a fake-out because J.J. Abrams is stupid and likes his mystery box bullshit. But regardless, even if she's not dead, the plot makes it so that Peter thinks she's dead. And then Peter had a son with her. And then we fast forward 12 years. So even if she's not dead, for all intents and purposes, she is for 12 years. Right. So this is uh not a great trope in comics fiction. And it's been very criticized arguably spider-man popularized it because of gwen stacy's death back in the day it's uh it's it's uh it's called fridging uh not to be confused with indiana jones nuking the fridge (laughs) uh it's named after an event in a green lantern comic where uh kyle rayner comes home and his uh girlfriend is Her dead body is stuffed in his fridge and he discovers her. And uh, this pissed off a lot of people at the time because... uh, Either because they liked that character or because it just felt cheap and just shock value. Just to motivate Kyle to fight the bad guy and get revenge, they just kill his current girlfriend. And it feels like it happens a lot in comics where they just kill a significant other that is a disposable character. In uh, the heroes' lives to motivate them to do, do good stuff. Yeah, when this happened with Spider-Man way back in the day, this was different. I feel like it was the first time that it happened. Right. Um, and it felt like it should have been impossible for them to do.
0: Right, and then and, they, uh, they flat out fucking dead ass did it. She didn't come back either. She was dead.
1: Well, she's kind of back well, now. now,
0: but like back then. Completely
1: different Gwen Stacy, though. Right. Um
0: Gwen Stacy was dead, and it was one. So...
1: All it serves to really do is to make it so that the story does what you want it to do. And it feels cheap and lazy. Like, you know, oh, so Mary Jane dies. So Spider-Man feel like he fail and he did bad. So fast forward 12 years. Peter has a kind of a strange relationship with his son and he's trying to stay away from his son. Aunt May is raising his son. How is she still alive? How is she still alive? It's a good point. Uh, but, wow, congrats, Peter. You're a great dad just pawning off your son on your aunt. Um, your parents had to die to do that. You didn't have to. But Nope. All right. Uh, so that that just really struck me as like, you know, hey, yeah, you could argue that Spider-Man changed a lot in those 12 years, and it's been a dark time. Uh, he even has a little hook hand. He lost a hand, apparently, in that 12-year Span, and I'm sure we'll see a lot of glimpses of that era and all the dark edgy spider man bullshit but the but the core of this comic is Peter's son Ben Parker get it of course <laughs> uh starts getting the spider man powers and How? fights the bully at the school I guess through birth oh it's like, oh it's just it's just genetics now huh I suppose okay. Spider-Man's radioactive cum gives you superpowers, hey. <laughs> I guess, in the womb. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, he starts exhibiting the superpowers. And then May is like, it's time that you knew. And she shows him uh, the pile of uh, crap that is Spider-Man related. And he's all like, whoa. And she's like, this is yours. So obviously the story is probably going to be there's a new Spider-Man in town. And he's 12. And like, okay, great. Here's my issue with this. This has been touted as an original different take on Spider-Man, it's but all not. I've seen so far is the same fucking original quote unquote take on Spider-Man that I keep seeing in a lot of comics that is it's just the Miles Morales thing again. Mm-hmm. Where you get a new Spider-Man come in who like is really young and inexperienced and tries to learn to be Spider-Man. I mean, you got the twist with like it's literally Peter's son, but they've also done this, right? Just under far less strenuous circumstances. They had a uh, May Parker, yeah. Um, and the whole killing the Mary Jane thing didn't happen in that, as far as I know. Is that their original take? I, I guess killing nice. Mary Jane. Great. What an original take! Be because mystery box bullshit. I. It's it's. I'm the, the new villain doesn't look compelling either. Uh, I can't fucking stand. The JJ, only good doing. thing about it is the art and like, yeah. I don't know. I it, it doesn't. It's not hooking me in one issue. And your first issue, like comics are a fickle thing. Like you're gonna read a comic for like five minutes, and that's thirty pages, and you're done. Better hook you because they're monthly, right? So if you're gonna come back to read the next one, it better be fucking good. And I'm not doing it. No, so that wasn't that. good. No, fuck that. If I hear otherwise, maybe I will. But there's too many good comics to read. Also, Spider-Man related. spider mans actually pretty solid right now in the main series, and uh, and the spinoff that uh, Tom Taylor's doing is fucking incredible. Uh, friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. It's fucking great. I've heard great things about that. Um. So why the fuck would I read this? <laughs> Bye, JJ. Oh man, he's so original with his original ideas. Remember when he remember when he rebooted Star Wars and he just made Star Wars? What an original idea, what a man! Fucking hack. Can't I'm so excited for Rise of Skywalker. I hope it'll be okay. The original idea of the Emperor.
0: That's, I can't believe it.
1: <laughs> I was hoping. Like- I'm massively looking forward to that, actually. If only because I love Ian McDiarmid as the Emperor. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I keep going back to episode three in my life. Because, oh, <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Right. I love him I mean he could be menacing like he is in Return of the Jedi but like man he just fucking goes off the rails in Revenge of the Sith and I hope that hope there's a chance we get that Ian McDiarmid. there's a chance that J.J. fucks up and just lets that one seep through <laughs> I really hope it happens the one that does the sheave cleave the big spin oh, can't wait
0: hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking goddamn! I hate comics
1: Wow dude You're
0: just gonna shit on comics dude I do I mean, I mean It's like most media
1: Look you if you wanna read a good home. comic you can read that You can read Well you can't read that Don't read that Spider-Man comic by J.J. Abrams. No. Oh, but, no. but you can, can read Friendly Best. Neighborhood yeah, Also I... by Tom Taylor deceased. That's uh, actually pretty fucking solid fun It's very tragic Very fucked up All the DC characters die Yay Uh you can read Venom And uh Good old Absolute Carnage is uh, being fucking nutty right now. Love that, actually. That Venom run is godlike. Read good comic. Right. Don't read bad comic. Yeah. Stop. I started reading Invincible as well because uh, Robert Kirkman killed off The Walking Dead as the final character to kill off uh, in The Walking Dead. (laughs) Killed the comic itself. So I started reading his other long-term uh, series, Invincible, which ended before The Walking Dead, and it's quite right. good. But uh, even good to even get into it is to get into spoilers, yeah. immediately. But if I had to pitch it, I would say it's like it's like The Boys, but a lot less mean-spirited. <laughs> it's like it's more celebratory of superheroes than The Boys is, but it still has that like weird something ain't right here element to it, right? Uh, it's very good. So anyway, is it time to be spooky? It is. It's spooky
0: time. Ooh. Boo.
1: A ghost. Boo. Spooky movie. Boo. <laughs> I turned on boo. the movie and it went... Boo. Boo. <laughs> Turn on went boo. If it did, that'd be spooky, man. But glad it didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't want to watch a spooky no, movie. No, it
0: went... I have a tiny penis. <laughs> on the radio.
1: Oh, yeah. All the graphic violent reports on the radio. Yeah. Today, while cycling, a man lost his (laughs) dick. In San Antonio. Uh,
0: Yes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, released in 74. 74,
1: right. So, um, if I am correct, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, this is the earliest film in history that we have watched on the Get and Jub program I think so yeah Uh, Halloween was 78 Rocky was I think 75 or 6 it was close yeah maybe 77 Um, but this is 74 and Alien was not till like 79 79 yeah inspired partially by this so it would have been impossible to come out before it right right Ridley Scott said as much
0: right I was just curious
1: it was a highly influential film Oh yeah. Well fucking for sure, dude. It created slasher films. Yeah. You know, it came out before Halloween. Halloween helped popularize it, but this is like This is the, the OG. Right. For real. And oh man, is it still good? It holds it holds the fuck up. Just like Halloween, it really holds up just because of the quality of the movie itself, you the know filmmaking. It's not overly gory. There's certainly gore in it, but you know, it's not fucking it doesn't go overboard with its premise. To the point where, you know, it's like a Rob Zombie film, thankfully. Are you ready for the Texas Chainsaw movies that are going to look like those Rob Zombie films? Because they're coming. Well, we're going to get to them eventually. But for now, we're in the more sane, I
0: guess,
1: 1970s. Yeah, I realize that sentence didn't sound right in my head. (laughs) Uh, But at least maybe for uh, horror cinema. It's a more calm period without, like, you know, completely going full grindhouse although that did begin here for sure absolutely uh uh, many would say in in part thanks to this maybe entirely thanks to this
0: i would say almost entirely i don't know i don't think any that would have happened without this movie
1: yeah so this uh this is a masterpiece this is my favorite horror film straight up i've said that before on here yes um and I think it's my favorite, although, like, Halloween has a lot of things that I think are better than this movie, such as, like, you know, some key characters in and Halloween stronger, are, like, more iconic to yeah. me. Stronger yeah. main
0: characters. Halloween has stronger main characters, a better score. For sure. And yeah. a little bit, and sometimes it has better camera work. Um, well, but
1: it's intentional that this has kind of weird camera work on yeah. purpose because it's, like, documentary ish, which that's also a original concept here, I believe. Yes. Uh, well, maybe not entirely, but like popularizing the uh, gritty handheld camera, which would eventually snowball into creating the found footage genre with uh, stuff like Blair Witch. Yes. Which is also very, very inspired by this.
0: Quite. So, uh, what's what's supposed to... What's the plot? What do we, got? we have some fun factoids to spit first. I
1: mean... uh What do you got for us? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead with that. So, uh the man in charge, the man responsible, <laughs> is Toby Hooper. He co-wrote, directed, and co-produced. Uh, there's also another co-writer alongside him. This is uh, a man uh, named Kim Henkel. Uh, he would later return to write and direct... The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Uh, so maybe he was only a uh, one-hit wonder. Because <laughs> I haven't heard many things about that movie that are good. The plot uh, was partially inspired by news coverage of graphic violence, which we kind of like made fun of. It's in the movie itself. They talk about it a lot. Well, they don't talk about it, but it's just in the background. Just reports of graphic killings and... Uh, according to Hooper, it was inspired by it because they, uh, you know, this, uh, lack of sentimentality and the brutality of things is his quote. Uh, and this leads to the monsters of the movie being real people, which wasn't necessarily commonplace at the time. No, not at all. Man was the real monster here, just wearing a different face, so I put a literal mask on the monster in my film, uh, said Hooper. Uh, The plot was also meant to be at least partially a pro-vegan message. Uh, According to Hooper, In a way, I thought the heart of the film was about meat. It's about the chain of life and killing sentient beings. Uh, Toby went, uh, vegan during the making of the film, but uh, note that I said during the making of the film, so I don't know how wholeheartedly he believes in uh, the vegan message of the movie, or if that's just like a fan theory. I
0: have but no idea.
1: he did admit as much that he did go vegan during the making of it, and meat is the key. <laughs> yeah, thinking of probably just, probably just putting himself in the premise of that movie probably just made him sick. Eating meat.
0: Well, I mean, like, to be <laughs> yeah. fair,
1: this movie is fucking disgusting, and yes. Um I like how subtly it does it too. It's
0: not like it's not as like ridiculous as you would find Yeah, there's not some straight cannibal- up
1: cannibals eating people like a fucking cannibal right. Holocaust movie or something. Um it it's it's just discarded bones and just weird corpses and just weird shit hanging about and then some some barbecue the shot of barbecue oh yeah that fucking freaks me out dude it, it,
0: it makes it it sets it up so you do have that realization at the same time as your main character
1: yeah and that's that's really nice so did you, did you um good job like yeah it's it's hard for me to judge anyone who uh Would go vegan because of this movie because it is so gross. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's hard for me to judge the vegans anyway because I mean, like, I'm not one and I am a large person. But be that as it may, I'm probably not going to stop eating meat because I like it. But that doesn't mean I'm about to eat the teenagers. (laughs) I I just feel like it doesn't necessarily have to be about that, it could more be about uh, the human condition. And how fucked up people are, right? To the point where they can be so detached from reality that they just fucking murder people, and then the conclusion in this movie is that they eat them. But it didn't necessarily have to be there. You know, the counterpoint is something like Halloween, which is sort of about the same thing, but is he just kill people? He's just eat, he just about he just doesn't do anything fun. about with them after he just kills them,
0: right? But his, yeah, See, in
1: seen Halloween it's more
0: about just kind of like the the perpetuation of evil, yeah, as an entity. And it puts it into basically Michael Myers, right? Right. Whereas in this, it's just like the corruption of people.
1: Yeah, it's not as like big-brained as Halloween goes with the concept with right. like Loomis going like he's pure evil. But you could also look at Halloween like it's just a guy because it is. He right. doesn't have the strength of anything but that. And same here, they're just people. You can outrun them if you can, and you can beat the shit out of them if you can it's just that our characters don't get a lot of opportunity to do that because they are blindsided by this situation right uh this fucked up terrible situation <laughs> that they stumble into i mean it's it's the easiest plot to understand you've seen it a billion times before but this was like the genesis of it
0: right yeah you just have you have a bunch of teenage kids which are like uh Sally, Franklin, Jerry Kirk and Pam are your yeah. main cast of characters yeah yeah you have uh, Franklin's a paraplegic, mm-hmm. and uh, Sally, our main character, is her brother, and they they uh, they go on a road trip. Well, because...
1: he's Franklin's her brother. Yes, yeah, yeah, you phrased that pretty weird.
0: Oh, sorry. Oop, my bad. Anyway, uh, they all they all get together and go on a road trip to visit the grave of uh, their grandfather. Um, when reports went on the radio, they heard reports on the radio that uh, he might have gotten grave robbed. And this plays at the very beginning of the movie, the the opening credits. That it gives you that.
1: Yeah, it's a very unsettling way to begin your film. It uh, it don't pull no punches at the beginning. No.
0: Yeah, just have a broadcast about about this grave robbing that's happening, and it goes into
1: detail. It's quite gross. It's that creepy like sunset image of that fucking corpse mm-hmm. on the grave, just chilling, hanging out.
0: Yeah, it's very unsettling. <laughs> But yeah, so they're on the road because of that. Um, so they decide to visit their old homestead while they're on this while they're on this little kind road of trip. out of necessity because uh, you know well, at first it wasn't, but right. then it becomes out of necessity.
1: Well, the classic, you know, oops, we're out of gas. Yeah, oops, the car won't start. You know, it'll but, become a billion things later on in a billion different movies who rip it off basically. <laughs>
0: yeah, but on their way there, they pick up a hitchhiker. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> Who later we find out is uh one of the brothers of this uh family. Mhm. But uh he's talking very strangely about like slaughterhouses and stuff apparently the family were
1: used yeah. to work at the old slaughter. I love this hair. character. I mean, like well that's a weird way to say, but like this dude's performance is great. He's it's really so unhinged feeling. Yeah. Uh, so
0: creepy and unhinged.
1: Do you got the like, guy's name in front of you? The actor? No. Okay, I, don't, I, I, just I have the I have the plot. I should in a you know a hot minute here. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'll keep talking. Yeah, his name was Edwin Neal. Okay, I uh, wanted to bring him up because he uh, primarily became a voice actor uh, in the years following this. He's still alive. He did voices in Metroid Prime Three. Justin, I don't Who was know he? Uh, stuff like, like enemies soldiers? and shit. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if he was like a boss or anything. I, I don't know what the fucking names meant. I mean, I just figured I'd mention it. there has been a lot of there's shit. A,
0: there's a lot of like,
1: Metroprone 3 Strange where it has like a lot of soldiers that have dialogue in the yeah. game. Yeah. So that's probably what he was. That probably makes sense because this is a guy that can go on a rant. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> My he dad would. makes good <laughs> a good head cheese. It's just so fucking unhinged and creepy because like, it, it's not like out of the realm of possibility. And that's really what this movie makes work. Yeah, for me, like one of the reasons it's my favorite horror movie is because it could so happen. many horror movies feel like they could never happen like and are fantastical and crazy and like I can get a good amount of enjoyment out of that. But this is fucked because it feels like it totally could be a real thing that happened. Like, worse things have happened in the world, they Even presented as such,
0: which uh, kind of adds to like the
1: unsettlingness of the.: Yeah, which was a, a weird choice that they uh, went ahead and went with. Uh, according to the Toby Hooper, the assertion that the film's events were true was an attempt by him to respond, uh, in an artistic way, to the various governmental cover-ups of the era, such as Watergate.
0: Mm. and uh
1: you know details about the vietnam war being hidden from the american people right all kinds of shit you know nixon era it was fun everybody loved it it was great i'm sure Uh, (laughs) um so you know maybe like you're being lied to these events didn't happen or perhaps you uh are being told that these events did happen and it is a Universal truth that fucked up shit like this does happen in the world. Maybe that's what he was going for. Maybe I'm not really sure of his intentions because it's. I feel like it's just a gag (laughs) to make people think the movie happened. Uh, I think it's just supposed to add.
0: For me, at least, it added to the atmosphere
1: that it is so. No, it works. I'm saying it is a gag, but it does work because, like, if you if you were told that this was footage of an event in 1974. You could probably believe that in 1974. Right. Um, like, now it's pretty obvious. <laughs> but that's because we've had nine other Texas Chainsaw movies. And right. There's things, there's angles that don't make sense for, like, a human to be present during. It's not a found footage film. Yes. But it's sort of handheld camera. But it's more artsy than with its shots than, like, right. it's a found just, footage It's film. definitely
0: just... That, that's just, I think, there to add to, like, the grit and the... Uh... <sighs> And the weight of it the It certainly film.
1: adds to it. That narration at the beginning is pretty pretty good. Yeah, it's great. It's a great way to the open the film. Mad and macabre.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a really good way to open the film. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, so they pick, up, they pick up the good old hitchhiker boy. And after he goes on a big tangent about slaughterhouses, he takes... Uh, He's very passionate about what he does, passionate. you know? Yes. <laughs> he takes uh, Franklin's knife and cuts his hand open in front of all these people in this very tightly knit bus. Yeah. And a little, little van, I mean. So everybody yeah. loses Their fucking mind
1: <laughs> They play this like Metal screech When people get stabbed In this movie And at random times And it's It fucking fucks with me Yeah I hate the sound Of metal on metal Me too I hate it It's a very grating sound
0: Yeah it, But it
1: gives me a headache. And they know that I hate it Apparently Because they put it all In this movie To unsettle me you know that And it works sick. Every yeah, time Absolutely And It's fucked up I don't like it Get out of here Hitchhiking bitch Stop doing it mm, So they kick Shaggy Out of the van And uh Yeah
0: <laughs> I as as you should, Franklin's arm.
1: he slaps us some blood on the on the van. Yeah. And
0: then they uh, and then they stop at a gas station, and the person working there tells them that uh, mm. there ain't no gas.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. ain't no gas at the gas station. Mm-hmm. Red flag number one. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, the hitchhikers' red flag number one. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the biggest red. That's. I the, guess actually, technically, red flag number one is something that I forgot was even in this movie, but upon rewatching it, I remembered, and that's the drunk homeless man at the beginning of the film who kind of, uh, he could just be talking about nothing, but he kind of says, like, you know, people don't talk about stuff around here. I see things. I've seen what happens around here. Right. And it, like, it kind of just sets up that something's going to happen. I totally forgot that that was even a thing that happened, that it was it was foreshadowed that early yeah that something's amiss i like the idea that like maybe people in the town know what's going on but they just like you know shut the fuck up about it and don't pay no mind to it and it also like plays into like the fucked up nature of this where uh you know humans are all just kind of fucked we get to the uh the homestead, as it were. Yeah, so Very could... dilapidated house. Not a nice place at no, all. No, not a nice place to stay um, at all.
0: While well, they're just like, yeah, we'll fucking stay. God, that's a lot dump. of
1: spiders. That shot fucking sucks. I hate spiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so many like, spiders. They're all, they're all like daddy long legs, right? And they're all just yeah, like on top Yeah, and he plays like other. this fucking sound effect that just makes me fucking cringe. Yeah. uh the actual meaning of that word, not like,
0: bro, you posted cringe.
1: <laughs> I mean like I mean like really like, like my skin like, crawled. Right. Um happens many times
0: throughout this movie. Oh yeah for sure. This is this is like the, the baseline like mood you have throughout this movie is that your skin is just constantly crawling.
1: Yeah, it's it's almost not really a fun watch. Um no, it's not. That's the thing about this movie. I hate watching this movie. <laughs> but it's so successful movie. at what it's trying and to do. I absolutely leaky. adore this movie. Yeah. I Fucking hate watching it. Yeah. I, I've watched, This is the third time I've watched it in my life, and I mm. I fucking hate watching it. Yeah. Everything is just so fucking disturbing. To the point where we probably sound like a broken record at this point. But like, but that's that's the main episode. The movie of what this tries movie to do that too. <laughs> It's yeah. just like, hey, this is fucked up and weird, right? It just hits you, and then with it, it, it just keeps hitting you with that fucked up and weird stick, right? <laughs> until you're fucked up.
0: <laughs> so they arrive to this fucked up, dilapidated house, and uh... yeah. And Franklin tells uh, Kirk and Pam about a swimming hole that's out behind the house.
1: Yeah, after he fucking has a tantrum. What do you think about this character? I hate him. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask that. He's, like, he's like, kind of useless, too. I don't know. I it, it, it's the only negative mark
0: I could put on the movie because I don't like Franklin's
1: character. I, it, it's weird because uh, they focus on him a lot to the point where I think he's one of the only people we see isolated from everybody else talking to himself yeah. for a long period of time. Uh, obviously, the main character is uh, Susie.
0: Yes.
1: Sally. Sally, sorry. I knew it was an S. That's one of the main problems that I have with this movie, although it's not a huge problem because most of the characters are victims. Uh, It's not the point to get to know them, really. Uh, You know who Laurie Strode is because you spend a lot of time with her character. Right. And the other babysitters as well. Uh, They all have characters. They all have dynamics. Um, You get to learn them, learn who they are, and, and obviously... Dr. Loomis as well. Halloween just has better characters in general than this movie. Yeah, but I also I
0: also kind of argue that like this movie is less about those characters. Well, than this is the kind ways. of what I'm saying. Yes.
1: This creates the trend of disposable characters for your horror movie villain to murder. Uh, and the only one that gets away is the final girl. And everyone's personality is pretty paper thin. Yeah. But... That's fine because that's really not the point of it. The characters that get the most development are the psychopaths in this movie. That's that's the which is interesting yeah. to me. Um, it's
0: very fascinating. Yeah. But uh, anyway, as the couple are going to towards the swimming hole to likely
1: fuck, <laughs> they're gonna fuck. They, they well, fuck no one fucks in this movie. That would come later. That's the added trope. That's Friday's fault. That's Friday's fault, yes. Yeah. We'll get to that eventually <laughs> in the Gun and Job show, I'm sure.
0: So uh, they stumble upon a house, and it looks like they have some gas there,
1: apparently. it's a generator going.
0: Yeah, so he's like, ooh, they might have gas. And so they... So they so Kirk runs up to the house and looking to see if anybody's home, he's knocking around the door, nobody's answering, and he's real confused. And he opens the door to this really rickety house. Okay. Yeah, I would not go in there. First red flag, the door opens. Second red flag, he looks in front of him, and there is a bright red room with just like a bunch of skulls of like various animals just just hanging on
1: the wall. Very and, ominous like, not, room to see in the distance. And not
0: in a way that it's like a trophy room. In a way that like somebody fucked up lives here. <laughs> Yeah, it's He'll not leave. good. <laughs> but no, nah, he just walk right in but, there. But, no, he's dumb like most of horror movie yeah. disposable, char- disposable characters are. A trope made by this movie. Yes, and he just walks dead ass into that room, and big ass Leatherface pops out. Brr! He goes brr! Yeah, and then just like hits him over the head with a fucking mini sledge, and it just—it's yeah, uh... that part's not gross. The gross part is he then falls he to the fucking twitches and starts seizing oh my yeah. god he has seizures what that is yeah yeah mm-hmm. as his body just like is dying yeah. as he's just yeah, yeah. He's basically going brain dead
1: I mean I think the most unsettling part of it is when Leatherface fucking slams the door yeah afterwards because it's yeah. like oh he's just gone now there's right. no chance and then that just symbolizes everybody else's fate too because everybody gonna die y'all fucked <laughs>
0: Yeah, So then, good old Pam's outside, going one waiting for a while. Like, where the fuck did he go? Then mm. she makes the mistake of walking into the same fucking house. The shot of her walking up is so creepy because it sits, yeah, it sits right, mm. right underneath her ass. It sounds weird, but that's where the camera is behind her, right underneath her ass. But it's looking
1: up, like towards the scenery yeah. on her left side, and it looks really cool. Well, I think so. They made a decision here to have this character have a, a top with an open back. Yeah, And you could argue that this is just an upper sex appeal, but I argue that they did it so that what happens to her is just way more fucked up in your mind, because you're thinking about her back, because you see that really prevalent shot yeah. of it as she walks up towards the house, and then Leatherface grabs her and puts her on a fucking hook. By her back. By her back. It's all done intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> to fuck with you and it works and oh god dude because it, it it's I'm just fucking, oh, it's so, so much more good. cringy when you just thought about what she looked like five seconds ago just just thinking of fucking like go get, get set that's, on that's yeah Ugh. that's so fucking grizzly and oh, fucked up god. dude.
0: and she has to sit there and watch and he does that so she has to sit there and watch as, uh as letterface cuts up her boyfriend with a chainsaw
1: oh so let's talk about serial killers a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a lad named Ed Gein? Yeah. He was dope. Yeah. I'm just kidding. He's a fucking <laughs> Who murderer. Was he now? Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> he's not dope, but no. they did have so. So Ed Gein is obviously a notorious figure. Um, one of the key inspirations for the murders in this movie, because Ed Gein killed people and ate them. Uh, it's not really a way to get around. <laughs> That's what he did. Uh, So he was one of the key inspirations. But uh, according to Henkel, uh, there was uh, also other serial killers that inspired this. Um, So here's what he said. I definitely studied Gein, but I also noticed a murder case in Houston at the time. A serial murderer you probably remember named Elmer Wayne Henley. He was a young man who recruited victims for an older homosexual man. I saw some news reports where Elmer Wayne said, I did these crimes, and I'm going to stand up and take it like a man. Well, that struck me as interesting, that he had this conventional morality at that point. He wanted it known that now that he was caught, he would do the right thing. So this kind of moral schizophrenia is something I tried to build into the characters. And uh, it kind of makes sense, especially later in the... With film. the gas
0: station owner and everything?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because he's like, oh, I'm not going to kill like people. But, right. like, he's also jabbing her with a fucking broom, <laughs> like, violently. Right. Uh, and, I, I mean, I think in a certain case, Leatherface goes by this, too, because I I mean, other movies will explore this, and I'm sure terribly. But I think it works better when it's subtle. Um And also the hitchhiker as well, but he's far more of a harsh individual. Right. Uh, These are victims as well, because they any chance for them to be sane, normal members of society is extinguished by their dad, who raises them to be fucking degenerate murderer men. Right. uh, And beats the shit out of them if they don't do what he says. And uh, that just leads this cycle of violent fucking bullshit to continue. So... Like I'm not saying I feel bad for Leatherface, but it's an interesting level to it. Yeah, that like he's someone who's like clearly mentally challenged and not all there, but is being exploited because he's a fucking moose of a human to uh, murder people mm-hmm. and chase after them with a chainsaw. A L- little because he's good at that. Little scene I forgot to go over, which is one of my favorite in the whole
0: movie. Actually, mm-hmm. is uh, before she gets hung on a meat hook. Yeah, Ham uh, stumbles into a room. That is. Uh, oh, welcome to the house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is. That has, just has, I'm guessing, uh, mostly human and animal bones strewn about. Whatever all they over can the floor. get is right. my
1: opinion. That's what it looks like. <laughs> and there's have, a turtle like, shell hanging from the ceiling. It's whatever they could find to murder. Yeah. Whatever they could find to murder. They no just, No real thoughts about it. Yeah, they just kill whatever and eat it, I guess, which is fucked up. Delicious and there's
0: furniture made out of bones and like it does like all these like really creepy close shots going out and coming back in there's a chicken in the fuck hanging on a cage in the room mm-hmm. and there's just like f- feathers and bones and shit everywhere and she's freaking out and you're freaking out too cuz it looks creepy as hell and it's very well shot I like, think it's really cool
1: <laughs> and then she gets hung on a meat hook by good old leatherface yes um Gunnar Hansen plays Leatherface. Yeah. Uh, He would never play him again. He's not really like an actor-actor, but he became famous on, like, you know, the signing circuit and shit like that after this because he's Leatherface. Right. Um, I feel like Leatherface has never been played by the same person more than once. We'll see as we get into it, but clearly he's like the face, no pun intended, of the franchise. So it's kind of weird that they never, like, really chose somebody. Because conveniently he doesn't have a
0: natural face yeah
1: so you can always hide it a similar right. thing happened with jason yep. in the 80s because uh you know the most famous jason is Kane Hodder. he didn't really come onto the scene until like seven or eight yeah so like you know that just goes to show so gunner comes to the conclusion that leatherface is mentally retarded uh i don't know how he would come to that conclusion <laughs> so In order to portray him, he goes to a special needs school and pays attention to the student's speech and movement. And apparently this is what he emulates in this film. Um, I don't know how accurate that is. No, not quite. Because he kind of just goes like, all the time and makes noises. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. It works for the unsettling movie. Yeah, for sure. But that's kind of a weird thing to do, I think. Uh, so what happened next We What, what are we uh, At two victims now Two people yeah, two, down Two people down Three left to go Yeah
0: We have uh, We have Jerry uh, Sally's boyfriend
1: Now that's name I remember Because they yell Jerry a lot Right
0: <laughs> he, he heads off To try to go find them And he comes across the house And then he
1: notices Let's fucking hide from that 70s show looking ass. Yeah, very much. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he finds that... He, he sees that their blanket is on the porch of this house. And he's like, oh, fuck. And he goes inside and... Oh, boy, he hears a thumping. He hears a thumping and he's confused. And there's a freezer next to him. And he opens up the freezer and Pam's in there. Still alive. Being frozen alive. Jesus. That's a yikes for me, dog. And Leatherface comes in hits Jerry over the head with the fucking sledge, and then locks the freezer again.
1: Mm. Well, there was something I forgot to mention to there uh, earlier. This was while they were fucking... Uh, <laughs> 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 while uh, Ger hanging from the meat hook. So, um, although Kirk is supposed to be dead in that scene, and he's, like, cutting him up further, the actor is just there during that scene, right? So... This really wor- worried uh, William Vale, who played Kirk. Because Gunnar Hansen's is using a real running chainsaw. Jesus Christ. <laughs> because that's what the, the... It's not a prop. That's a chainsaw. So, um, he tells Will to hold still so he won't actually kill him. And he literally holds it three centimeters away from Will's face running. That's is scary, dude. Jesus. Uh, as you kind of like see, as we discuss things in this, uh, the, the actual cast and crew were tortured as well, basically, because this was a hard shoot, really difficult. Um, well, I'm sure the budget's extremely low. Right. It's only like it's like less than 140 thousand, which, like, if you adjust that for inflation today, that's like maybe 700 thousand. Yeah, that's nothing. And that's like nothing. Like, like. The fucking Lifetime movies get made for millions. Right. You need to buy the equipment. That's probably the most expensive part. Right. The equipment in the sets and... So the low budget forces Hooper to hire mostly unknown actors from Central Texas, where they film. Um, and he wants to limit the time that they're renting equipment. So he makes it so that they work seven day weeks... Uh, some days for up to 16 hours, and this is in excessive heat, often being over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Jesus. So, uh, this had to suck for everybody, but the guy that probably got the worst of it was Gunnar Hansen himself, because he had to play Leatherface. Right. So he, I'll I'll just, uh, I'll just read his own words. (laughs) It was 95, 100 degrees every day during filming. They wouldn't wash my costume because they were worried that the laundry might lose it or that it would change color. They didn't have enough money for a second costume. So I wore that 12 to 16 hours a day, seven days a week for a month. (laughs) Oh, God. So he probably uh, was just actually smelled like what Leatherface would smell like by the end right. of it. Uh, like, that's fucking vile. Um, Sweet guy. <laughs> fuck that. guy. it's just, you know, it wouldn't be the last weird thing that happened either. We'll get to it in a little bit as we uh, go correct. through
0: the movie. Okay, so now it's getting dark out, and, and we've got another one down. All we got left is Sally and Franklin, and they're like, oh, fuck. So, they, after some arguing that's stupid, Mm -hmm. I I hate Franklin, they go out (laughs) and go looking for him. Yeah. Jerry! Jerry! Shout, Jerry! Jerry! Jerry? (laughs) Jerry! Uh, Anyway.
1: I almost did like a Kramer, Jerry!
0: (laughs) Whoa! So, they start walking and they're constantly yelling for Jerry. They Mm. come across... They come through some bushes in the forest and Leatherface catches up to him and just surprises
1: them and surprises us. Yeah, it's a big jump scare. Because I believe, you know, we've seen this movie multiple times, so we're kind of just like discussing things. Well, because it was really loud and I guess that is how a jump scare is supposed to work. It's like way louder than anything else in the (laughs) movie. (laughs) Well, they got, that's how they get you. Um, I don't know how early jump scares appear in films. We talked about during our uh, Halloween watchings the uh, the the fake out jump scare with a cat that would happen. Uh, I forget. I think there was an actual term for it, but like where where a character gets startled and it's just a cat. And I know that that stuff like examples of that are in like 30s movies even, but. I don't think there's any, like, real jump scares that I can think of in early 30s horror movies, like Frankenstein and shit like that. Yeah. I can't really think of any. Is this the first successful jump scare in film? Like, as far as, like, a... As a horror movie? Yeah, as a horror movie, yeah. I'd say so. It's very possible. I don't know. It's very disturbing. It works really well, because, boom, Leatherface is there. And he just... Kills Frank Franklin. He right the right Franklin's gut. And he didn't have a chance.
0: No. He was on a wheelchair. He was nah. fucked. Unfortunately. <laughs> what can you do? Right. Uh, Since Sally takes off running. Chase is on. Yep, and now it's a very elongated
1: chase scene. Well, he serious. chases her all the way to the fucking gas station. That's fucking a long way. It's through the house first. But also through the house, yeah. And she has to jump out the second story window mm-hmm. to get away from him.
0: She meets Grandpa. She has to meet Grandpa. Who, who looks dead. Who we thought was a corpse. Yeah. Everybody thinks he, that's, that's a corpse until... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, later in the movie Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and she gets to the gas station and the the guy who the proprietor of it is still there. Mhm. And she walks in, and she's like, Help me and he's like, Okay, okay, settle down, sets her down, goes outside, says he's gonna go get his truck, pulls up she looks over before he pulls up uh, and starts
1: making the realization that something is wrong. Well, she looks at the meat mm-hmm. that he's cooking. And, and uh, it looks a little suspicious
0: Yeah It doesn't look too And then At the same time Everybody's kind of Figured
1: So here's a question I have for you When they bought Barbecue earlier In the film Was it human meat
0: Yes Okay I, That's what I would Assume
1: Well cause uh, I, I realized That like Franklin's eaten That piece of meat And he's like What the fuck He kind of like Looks at it But then he just Keeps eating it That's pretty grisly They all ate human Without knowing it Right Yike well, not that any of them have time to worry about it now. No. <laughs> so, Face chases her through the house and she gets fucked up, jumps through the window, and her shirt gets ripped up. You know, it's all classic Final Girl stuff. Right. Uh, but this is the... So the kind first of one.
0: Yeah, this this also Probably. is still a little different from Expectations 2 where she actually does get captured mm-hmm. by the entire family and then... So yeah, then he revealed the, runs up with a gag, with a gag and some rope, and is going to tie her up. She tries to resist for a bit, and then he beats the shit out of her with a broom, mm-hmm.
1: and then ties her up, throws her in his truck, and drives back towards the house. <clears throat> While jamming her with the pointy end of the broom that right. got broken in half. Um, that probably wasn't, didn't feel very nice. <laughs> no. <laughs> but don't worry, he's a nice guy. He doesn't kill people. Yeah. But he sure will laugh about people's misfortune and jabbed them with a broom and beat up his sons with it too. Yep. You know, what a nice guy. Nice fella. Yeah,
0: so then he pulls up to the house and see the hitchhikers kinda half kinda locking up. Mm-hmm. And you realize, oh boy, he's part of this too.
1: Well that was pretty obvious yeah. given the fact that what starts to happen here. Yeah. But by this point in the movie you might have even forgot about him. Because like all the other fucking crazy shit that's been happening. Right. So it's a cool reveal. Yeah, there he is.
0: Yep, and so they now begin to torment her. They they take off they take off the cloak that's over her. She's everything. They gave her a little old dinner plate, and uh, Leatherface is dressed in womanly clothes now.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> I read a, a brief analysis of this. I didn't write it down or anything, but uh, someone said that this was like a perversion of the sitcom family. Yeah. Uh, because you got the dad who's a real cantankerous and mean spirited, and you got the mom, who I guess we'll say is Leatherface because sure. he's wearing women makeup in this scene. He's like the cook and like the deliverer. I mean, like, well, the dad's actually the cook, but like you know, yeah. Leatherface is in charge of the upkeep, in quotation marks, <laughs> of the house. You know, the chores and whatnot. He is like the mom figure. It's weird in that regard. Right. And then you got grandpa. Doesn't do much. Except he's grandpa. And then you got the rebellious teenager who's uh, the hitchhiker guy. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I guess in a way, it's a perversion of your classic sitcom family. It's a perversion of
0: the nuclear family.
1: Yeah. What it is. The exact same roles are uh, in the clearly inspired by this Resident Evil 7. Yes. Uh. You got your dad. You got your mom. You got your fucking Lucas. <laughs> right. <laughs> the archetypes are all there. If you've watched this movie and played that game in whatever order you did it in, it all kind of makes a lot of sense. Yep. Uh, so the uh, so they they cut they cut open
0: one of her fingers, and then they wheel Grandpa over. And then they uh, stick a finger in Grandpa's mouth, and he starts sucking on it, and it's revealed that he's alive.
1: First time I watched this movie, this was the thing that disturbed me the most. That he's alive. And, like, I... Eat, well, yes. Uh, just the fucking sucking noises and the fact that he's alive fucked with me so hard. It's messed just up. It's this weird, decrepit old man who eats people, I guess. Yeah. It just it, it was just haunting. Had nightmares about dead. it yeah no he's like dead so here's something fucked up about that scene obviously most of the blood in this movie is not real blood except can't that part, kill huh? people yeah except that part so they couldn't get the fucking stage blood to come out of the tube so uh yeah no they actually cut marilyn burns's finger for the scene was she okay with it <laughs> I'm going to have to assume. Couldn't find a lot of information on that one. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I hope so. She was uh, one of the only... Uh, well, there's like a couple cast members that come back for cameos and stuff in other films, and she's one of them. So I, I could only assume that she was like, yeah, just give me a little cut. You say fuck it, yeah. Uh, you know, just fuck it. Uh, Probably tired of this film. Yeah, <laughs> She gets so fucked up throughout the course of this movie... I mean, well, like, I guess throughout the course of the last half hour or so. Yeah. Because that's when all of it happens. Uh, so her costume, by the end of the movie, is so soaked with fake and uh, possibly real, I guess, uh, blood. <laughs> that it was uh, solid by the last day of shooting. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, she got really fucked up. Right. So um.
0: So then they, uh, they get ready to kill her after they after the family argues for a little after
1: the nightmare sequence that is this scene where you're zooming in on her eyes and on them laughing and it's just it's it's like watching a nightmare yeah and I don't mean that like generically I mean like if you had a nightmare and you could somehow like look at it like it's really dreamlike and weird but it's like it's a real thing I mean it's a movie It's realistic, is what I should say. But it's filmed in such a fucking crazy, quick-cut way.
0: That feels like a nightmare.
1: The zoom-ins on her eyes are so fucking distressing. Ugh. I hate it. So, uh, is is Grandpa... uh, Grandpa time. Grandpa time. (laughs) Like, man, Grandpa is the best...
0: Was the best killer in the Mm. slaughterhouse.
1: Because they have, like, a bit of an argument over, like, who's gonna do it. Because, like, the assumption is the hitchhiker and Leatherface and... The hitchhiker starts getting rebellious. And he's all like, fuck you, dad. I'm not fucking doing whatever you say. You never do it. And he's like, well, I can't stomach killing people. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, you kill people. (laughs)
0: But I guess that's kind of like a, that in itself Mm. is just kind of like a, uh, kind of a dichotomy of the meat industry. (laughs) I suppose. It's consumers, well, a good
1: chunk of it's consumers like, I couldn't kill an animal yeah you know what yeah animals. maybe maybe yeah. there's something to that you yeah. know so many people eat that's what it felt like to me at shit, least shit but don't kill it
0: right like i don't i actually don't think i could kill a cow but like
1: i'm um, you know it's We're it hypocrites. is what it is yeah i think i could but i don't actively want to do so and there's certain animals that i would never kill ever right and i know that that's hypocritical sure
0: yeah, we're just as yeah. much hypocrites
1: as him, just uh, not doing it to humans. Yeah, well, look, look, okay? <laughs> I'm not eating people. I just really like fucking McNuggets, okay? So you gotta leave me the fuck alone. I'm not a degenerate. Everybody eats McNuggets. That's we a weird a statement. <laughs> we live in a society where, everybody where eats everyone eats McNuggets. Right. Joker, in theaters October 4th. So... <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're like, yeah, Grandpa's gonna kill her, and then they set her head over a fucking bucket, and they try to keep putting the sledge in Grandpa's hand, and he keeps dropping it,
1: and then. The scene hm- stresses me out. And she's struggling, and he the the hitchhiker's holding her down, and the fact that he hits her once and gives a big old gash to her head fucks with me so bad. He he hits her like three times. Yeah. Yeah.
0: With the assistance of Leatherface, kind of holding the hammer in his hand. mm Hmm. Come on,
1: Grandpa, get her, Grandpa!
0: God, Jesus, fuck! And then she eventually breaks free, and jumps out another window because you know, yeah,
1: fuck it. And at this point, what, what, what the fuck are you going to get more hurt? Right? What? Probably already have CTE. And it's uh, it's daytime. Yeah. Or like sunrise, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: sunrise. So it's like so she's been there an entire night. Yeah. These people haven't slept probably because they're crazy.
1: Yeah, they're eating dinner at 4 a.m. or whatever the fuck. I don't right. know what they're doing. Uh, who cares? Whatever. Because
0: <laughs> so she runs out in the middle of the road being chased by Leatherface with his chainsaw. And a trucker pulls up. and, she, and Which like chased by Leatherface and the hitchhiker. And uh, a truck starts to pull up. And the, the hitchhiker's gaining on her. And then... As the trucker's pulling up... The he stabs her, of her a couple way. times,
1: too. Yeah, he does. Just to clarify, she just keeps getting injured. Right. Um, yeah, he gets annihilated by that truck. Yeah, he just gets run over by this truck. Yeah. Just fuck. And clearly a dummy getting run over by the truck. But, right,
0: but I mean, know, you know... What do, you do? No budget. It's fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Not a big deal. It's fine. I mean, I'm glad he got ran over by the truck. Fuck that yeah, guy. fuck that guy. Oh. Uh, it does create a problem later, though, which we'll get into next week, I'm sure, because uh, your dynamic is shifted if you're making a sequel, right? Because uh, you don't have this guy anymore. That. And it's a shame because he's uh, probably the most uh, big personality out of that group, right? But uh, Leatherface is the iconic one, so yeah. Whatever. I guess as long as you have Leatherface,
0: yeah. Uh, well,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> um so bless this black man who runs over this hitchhiker yeah by the way he gets out of the um, truck. of i want to know what happens to him because he kind of just runs away he's probably dead oh, that sucks but he gets he
0: gets a good old pipe wrench from his truck and leatherface is on him he throws that fucking pipe wrench hits leatherface in the head and the boy falls over it's and awesome his, and this fucking chainsaw nicks his leg
1: like yeah, yeah oof ow gives him a big cut Big cut. Yeah. Doesn't seem to bother him, though. Nope, because he's a big hulking man meat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a big
0: sack of hulking man meat. hmm So he continues to chase chase after Sally, but then a truck pulls up. She jumps to the back, and they drive away, and Leatherface, in a fit of rage, just swings his chainsaw around, screaming. Yeah. Cut the black, and film. I like the way to end. I like the way it. Yeah, it's
1: like a Absolutely. sigh of relief. Right. Like when it but but it keeps yelling at you until it's like over. Right. Cuz really what this movie is is it's just like if I were to grab the sides of your head and just go ah for like an hour and yeah. then I stopped. That's kind of what this movie does a little bit, because once Leatherface is chasing them all and killing them all, it just doesn't fucking stop being unsettling and unpleasant and fucked up and loud until it is over. Right. And that's the period on the sentence is Leatherface's blaring chainsaw being silenced. Right. And then it's just done. Really the only moment black. of
0: brevity you have from the moment the killings start until they stop is uh, when she's getting carried in the in the truck while she gets gagged and he's just poking her with the stick. That's the mo- that's the, the biggest moment of brevity in this movie. And I not guess they're
1: cool. little family interactions and shit. But, yeah. like, that stuff's all unpleasant, too. So yeah. and <laughs> that, that, That's the closest we have. Yeah. It's fucked up. It's just a ride. <sighs> so that was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: It's a wild ride. I love that movie. It's great. I, hate, I love that movie. I hate to watch it. So, um... <laughs> so much.
1: That was... It was a troubled shoot. Everyone got injured, basically. Not not majorly, but just little things happened because they were filming quick, and it was really fucking hot. Uh, Toby Hooper said, everyone hated me by the end of the production. It just took years for them to kind of cool off. And speaking of hating him, uh, then the movie comes out. Hooper has a lot of problems. First up, the rating. For some reason, Hooper had hoped for the film to be rated PG. Yeah, no, I don't think that was on the cards, buddy. Yeah, that's but anyway, realistic. when it does get rated, uh, you know, he was intentionally trying to have a minimal amount of blood. But I don't think the blood is the disturbing thing in the movie. No, it's everything. The disturbing else. thing is the content. Of the movie, <laughs> right, and it's filmed in such an unsettling way. Like he did too good of a job for it to be rated PG, right? And you can't do that. So when the MPAA gives him the movie submission, it's an X, and he's like, "Fuck," because that's like the mark of death for your movie. Right. Yeah. No, no yeah. one can. No one gonna go see an X. Um. There's like a handful of films that have been rated X that have like actually succeeded. At being popular, but it's it's really a death sentence for your for your film. Right. Uh, not not really a rating that I see happen ever. No, you don't see it much. Um, NC seventeen either. Really, yeah. uh, maybe just because tastes have changed over the years, and there's not really a need for these classifications like. I suppose, I guess like maybe you have like the occasional AO rated game, but that's games and that's different. Games are definitely different. Usually means porn anyway, so it's not, it's kind of different than this. So he edits out several minutes of uh, more blood and gore, um, which I believe most of which has been restored in whatever version we watched because it's not that fucking crazy. You can get away with this being rated R and it's fine. Right. Uh, at least in today's I don't know if it was in that version climate. I think it's
0: in the 40th anniversary version That we didn't
1: watch Oh maybe Well either way it, it works Regardless of the amount of blood or not uh, He gets it rated R Secures the R rating But the film would prove extremely controversial Yes With uh, multiple countries Banning the film outright yeah, Nope this is very, fuck uh... that not coming here with Texas Chainsaw yeah, it's Massacre. Very, very new and different for the early '70s. In some cases, it was banned for over a decade, if not longer, uh, in places like Australia and shit. They were just like, no, for like years until May. Uh, until oddly enough, the popularization of slasher films as a genre, right, and the prototype, if you will, finally is allowed to exist. Um, Britain went overboard. They ban the mere use of the word chainsaw in any film title. I don't care if you're making a, a construction movie. How to build a house with a chainsaw. Can't do it. Not allowed. That's chainsaw ridiculous. in the title. Uh, but all this does is add to the fucking word of mouth. And add to the like infamy of yeah. the movie. So despite the small budget and despite the controversy, the film goes on to gross more than $30 million, uh, setting a record for independent film grosses. Um, this record will be passed four years later, ironically, by Halloween. Right. Uh, <laughs> critical response is, is initially very mixed, as you would expect, with many critics aghast and appalled at the violence. Uh, as typical on the Gen and Jubb show, I'm gonna read Roger Ebert? a Roger Ebert Yeah, quote. <laughs> it's time for Ebert. Ebert's dumb film opinions. Yeah, yeah. But I respect him anyway. Rest in peace. Is that the song? Yeah, I don't know. That's it. Very right, good. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> Ebert kind of liked it, but kind of hated it because Ebert's really against like that overly oh, violent. Too. Kind of thing I also really liked it And kind of hated it That's not necessarily What I mean (laughs) We respect it Um, I think he respected it too But he just doesn't See the need for Like This kind of movie To exist so his quote was uh, horror and exploitation films almost always turn a profit if they're brought in at the right price. So they provide a good starting place for ambitious would be filmmakers who can't get more conventional projects off the ground. The Texas chainsaw massacre belongs in a select company with neither living dead and last house on the left of films that are really a lot better than the genre requires. Not however, that you'd necessarily enjoy seeing it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sure.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's not necessarily incorrect. Like lots of big filmmakers cut their teeth as it were on little tiny fucked up films. Uh fucking Steven Spielberg's yep. first movie is Duel, right. which is like a horror film and Jaws is like a horror film not so soon not long after that. Uh you know, they get they get in on these weird little fucked up movies. And then people go, like, ooh, that's good. Maybe they can make, like, a big thing. Uh, That still happens now with, like, your Marvel directors. Uh, Uh They find, like, your Scott Derrickson's. And uh, whoever did Spider-Man that I already... John Watts? It's John Watts. I figured it out. Yes. Ooh. Who have just made these little fucking weirded movies that barely anyone has seen, but, like, Marvel saw them. And then they're like, hey, come here. Come here. Come here. Come we make a movie? Here's Spider-Man. And they're like, oh, and then they make yeah, Spider-Man, right. uh, and then it ends up being pretty good. Uh, I like when that happens. Yeah, you know, me too. Toby Hooper's one of those. He would eventually, you know, make all kinds of movies uh, to varying degrees of success, as it usually goes. But you know, we got we got Poltergeist, we got Life Force. You know, he has some hits under his belt. It's fine. And then he has, uh, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Which is not I, a hit. I enjoy for a different. Well, <laughs> we'll get to it next week because th- that's going to be an interesting one.
0: I I I enjoy Chainsaw, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two for an entirely different reason. So does he?
1: <laughs> Basically, hell yeah. It, no, <laughs> he it was knows. done on purpose. It was done on purpose for Good, sure. I'm glad he knows. <sighs> so well, it's the anti sequel. So he so he, he he pulled a Gremlins two. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this he intentionally before, did But like, it's so, it's uh the complete one eighty. Yeah, so he did that. I didn't know if he did that
0: intentionally or not. So he did Very for good. sure, Absolutely. for sure. Okay, cool.
1: Um, which which lets it be better <laughs> than, <laughs> it yeah. than than how crappy it is. But I can't really excuse the other sequels. No, we'll get to it. But so the legacy of this movies unparalleled. Right. It inspires the creation of the slasher genre alongside Halloween a couple years later. Right. Ridley Scott says it inspires Alien. Wes Craven says it inspires The Hills Have Eyes. Uh, Also, Wes Craven said, uh, upon first seeing it, uh, what kind of Mansonite crazoid would create such a film? (laughs) I don't know, man. You made The Hills Have Eyes. What do you want me to say? Right. Fucking hypocrite. West Craven's great rest in peace though you have you watched uh new nightmare <sighs> no I have not and we probably will on the again and Job show at right. some point I really want to see that movie it looks interesting yeah I it's a weird meta movie it is
0: very strange yeah it's very
1: interesting Stephen King uh who was busy being on cocaine at the time yeah uh <laughs> I'd say. Writing fucked up shit of his own, uh, described this movie as a work of cataclysmic terror and said, I would happily testify to its redeeming social merit in any court in the country. Um, yeah. I think this era Stephen King, that's good praise. Right. I think so. Absolutely. You know, you could call him a hack if you want to, and I have done so before <laughs> because he has made some bullshit. He's a cocaine writer. <laughs>
0: His books there are there are some of his books that read like you were coming up and then down from cocaine
1: I definitely would say that the ones that I have read that I've liked a lot are the earlier ones like it mm-hmm. the stand yeah pet cemetery um these are all cocaine binge books probably maybe less so with like uh pet cemetery yeah I like eyes of the dragon a lot mm-hmm. um But then, like, when you get to, like, the post-drug addict Stephen King era, and then uh, especially the uh, post-hit-by-a-car Stephen King era, um, I I don't want to advocate for drug use. I'm just saying that it's not as good. I think there was a certain weird... There's a couple factors. ...manic energy that occurred where this man wrote 2,000 pages of fucking crazy shit sometimes and it has a lasting impact on fiction uh whereas something like i don't know duma key might not yeah and you don't even know what duma key is that's the point right (laughs) (laughs) but you goddamn know what it is sure do and the stand right um i don't know He's great. I don't even care.
0: No, I respect him very much. I
1: respect him a lot, but he, he is a crazy crazy person. Right. You have or at to least was. Him. I respect crazy writing, to just, be honest. It's like you
0: have to respect mm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even though it uh it makes me cringe.
1: <laughs> I mean the rantings of a lunatic. In film in film form. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Toby Hooper's probably a really nice guy. Well, he's dead. Yeah. Rest in peace. <laughs> Thank you for... sounded insensitive. I didn't mean it to.
0: Thank you, Topi Hooper, for creating a insane fucking genre of movies that is mm. uh, awesome and at the same time full of garbage.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're indirectly responsible for Rob Zombie having a career, so that sucks. But, yeah. hey, what can you do?
0: But a lot of other good stuff, like, like sure. Halloween and, right. and,
1: and Scream. and Ridley Scott. Yeah, and Ridley Scott mm. having a film career. Right. Uh... <laughs> He did. probably would have anyway. He's done other Wouldn't things in Right. Well, that's pretty necessary. It's like one for of my ra- favorite movies ever. Yeah. This is probably top 10 in the Gen and Jub list for me, but it's not. <laughs> Absolutely. But, like, you know, so I've been making my own personal list of Gen and Jub show uh, movies. Movies we've watched on the Gen and Jub show. Right. My own personal ranking. And, like, my key decision-making process on ranking them has mainly been what of the two movies that i'm kind of comparing would i rather watch and you know like would i rather watch temple of doom over terminator salvation you know these are the kind of decisions you have to make here. and i would probably rank texas chainsaw really high but at the end of the day i don't always want to watch this movie I've watched it three times in my entire it's, life. It's really uncomfortable. I think it'd take a few years for me to want to watch it again. Yeah. I'm fine with <laughs> watching it like around Halloween every year. It's only an I hour and a half and I can't done. do it every year. <laughs> it's it's it a year. it's a fucked one. It's a I'm, fucked one. I'm very I'm actually
0: pretty sensitive to horror. Especially <laughs> like unsettling horror. Well stuff that stuff that gives you the heebs jeebs. Just me if I got a treat for you. Like straight gore. And, like, shit like that
1: doesn't bother me. If you enjoyed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, get ready for seven more of them. Yeah, none of them are going to
0: achieve what this did, though, so whatever.
1: No, they'll they probably just be, like, you know, um, eventually rob zombie tier and piss me off. Right. Uh, we'll see. This franchise goes in a lot of weird directions, probably none of which succeed. Nope. But I am looking forward to next week because... Like we said, it is the Gremlins 2 of this franchise. It's, uh, it's just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks.
0: you got to love the Gremlins 2 sequel.
1: I, I do love the Gremlins 2 method, if you will. Um, the
0: anti-sequel, as you would call it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But in a way, it's, it's more successful than making just Texas Chainsaw again. Right. Um, or Gremlins again. Vastly so. Yeah, I wish this happened more often. To be honest, I, I really like the method of just going like "fuck it." If I'm gonna make a sequel, let's just blow the concept up and just make it as stupid as possible. <laughs> and this is gonna this one I think is an even weirder example than Gremlins because Gremlins has a comedic element, and then Gremlins two. Has more of a comedic element. But it still feels like, you know, not quite a snap reaction. It it feels like it could work in a natural way. Whereas this... Yeah, not If we just watched Texas Chainsaw, and if you went into this one immediately after watching that one, you'd just be like, what the fuck is this? Which I think is what a lot of people did in the 80s when this movie came out. Right. Um, So that's next week see you then Dennis Hopper's the lord of the harvest dude
0: (laughs) I can't wait no
1: my lord